This is Dr. David Proden, and I want to thank you as we begin another journey into school and community safety. If you're looking for industrial safety expert, Appalachian State University professor, Dr. Timothy Ludwig, please visit www.safety-doc.com. Again, that's Dr. Timothy Ludwig at www.safety-doc.com. Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hi, everyone. This is David Proden, and welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. So I took my youngest daughter to the open house at the fire department over the weekend. And in the past, I would actively be recruited by the firefighters of saying, hey, you know, we have openings on the department for paid or volunteer, and, you know, you seem like a fit guy, and here you live in the community. Do you have an interest of, of doing this, or would you like to learn more? <laughs> and I was like, you know, did that years ago and, and respect it, but don't have an interest in doing it anymore, plus, like, physically not uh, not probably quite there for the rigor of, of that. Um, and, and this year, though, was the first year, like, I just kind of walked past the recruitment table and there were two people standing there from the fire department and they didn't ask me <laughs> anything. They didn't say like, sir, how's it going? You know, how long have you been in the community and, and where do you live and, and things like that. Um, so maybe I've crossed that threshold. You know, I'm, I've, I've got my hair combed back today for those of you watching um, this show on YouTube. Um, I am in that phase where I get my hair cut very short and then it just gets combed over to the side and eventually it gets longer. So that gets to be a little weird to do. And I just comb it back. Um, it's for being the age I am, I mean, basically I have a full head of hair and it's still dark. And so, you know, and I'm pretty physically fit, but uh, yeah, no, they didn't. They didn't stop me and and do the recruitment pitch. So I must have crossed that threshold. There is something too where there's like a maximum age where you can join, um, and then there is you know there's an age where you, that's kind of the end. They they phase you out like airline pilots, but um, but no, um, they <laughs> they didn't do the hard sell. So. Um, don't know what that that really means, but um, anyway, um, we have a neighboring community that we went to the same day, and they had a craft fair. It's something we go to every year. It's it's pretty cool. Um, and that community, though, their fire department, um, most of the equipment is like all brand new, like very very expensive, state of the art. And our local fire department, they have stickers in the window, and it says like this truck will be replaced in 2045 and it's like it was purchased in you know 1992 i'm like that truck will be like 50 years old when it's replaced um and the other department you know this truck is three years old this truck is one year old so you kind of get to see the difference but you know that's one of those things with fire departments some 
if they you know, take care of your equipment, you're not putting a lot of miles on it. It can last a long time, but uh, but certainly just kind of a, a funny thing to go from you know like the sign of like this truck will last another forty years <laughs> to this truck will probably you know in five years we'll replace it and give it to somebody else. I am doing a review today of um, the twenty second season premiere of um, South Park, and the episode was Dead Kids. And it opened with an active gunman on the loose at the grade school facility in South Park. So, you know, South Park, for over being around for over 20 years, I remember when South Park came out, it kind of replaced Beavis and Butthead when I was in college. Um, that was getting phased out, and then South Park was coming in. So I actually, you know, kind of remember when South Park started. Um, but the kids today... You know, we say kids, but I mean, if you're K-12, you there's not a time that you can remember that there wasn't a South Park. So it really is this reflection in, in so many ways of uh, exaggerations and, and satire of, of society in ways which are just outrageous and, you know, ways that are inappropriate and just doesn't make a lot of sense. And, um you know, there. It's a show that I do not regularly watch. Um, there, there were a few episodes I thought were funny. I mean, one I think they went to like it, it was years ago. They went to like an 1880s town, and just to kind of mock how these people would would get into this hyper realism, but then they would spot someone, then they'd have like a wristwatch on or something like that, and and you know, but. Um, I want it, obviously being in safety and, and being in school safety, this this episode was something I wanted to to watch and see what the perception of the writers would be of of where they were going to point out the satire, where they would would build upon um, it, you know ex- exploit uh, the the satire, the rhetoric regarding school safety. Um, again, not that I'm endorsing this, but this, again, this, we know this is part of pop culture. So I want to take a look at it and give an analysis of what I, what I think on this. I'm going to be moving this right here. All right. Um, I do take notes. So on, I'm not probably looking at what they got right and what they didn't get right, but more or less the way that they framed this and, and took on this episode, which I, I think was really strange. Um, I'm I'm kind of baffled because there were so many opportunities to really just explode the the rhetoric that has to do with school safety and especially um, school violence, school shootings, and they they didn't do that. Um, they they took some really bizarre approaches. So. Let me get into this. So, um, th- so this this whole show is this episode. Okay, again, um, dead kids. It's built on the premise that students, teachers, um, responders, and most of society has become adjusted to school shootings, and and calls for change are met with the collective response that the issue is just too complicated, and school safety is amorphous. Although this point, again, is oddly not developed throughout the episode. So getting right into getting into my reactions. 
So they they had they had some different storylines, you know, playing. So the first the first storyline was this was an this was an overreaction. Um, so in in the you know Stan is one of the main characters. So um, that Stan's mom Sharon, you know, this was you know, uh, hormonal. This was emotional. This was just an overreaction. So she's she's calling for change and she's just furious why the other parents aren't rallying with her, why she's not getting support from her husband. Um, and, and, you know, this is happening over and over and over again. So, so we see this centered on her and again, gets together the other families and they, they meet at her house and, and they're just kind of like, well, you know, this is the society that we live in and there's, it's a big issue and there's not much we can do. And she just goes off on everybody. Um, so to me, okay, this is a very surface level psychology that, that the writers are taking here. It's very dismissive. It's, this is not dimensional at all. I mean, and we know that in school shootings, that it is it is the parents, it is the moms, the dads, and also the kids who then um, become very vocal after the shootings. It's just not the, the moms that do this. It's not like the, or a mom. These are, it's, it's like this entire community, you know, gets, gets riled up, but it's especially the both, you know, both parents. I mean, it's, it's dads, it's moms. Um, so to just isolate this as, you know, this is an emotional mom and, and the other parents are dismissive, that's not how this happens in, at all. Um, so I, I thought that was that was a really weak, um, it was a weak storyline. It's not an imitation of the known reality. Again, that, you know, that, that dads come out, that they are, you know, getting in front of national media seeking change, although they don't know what that is. Usually they, they get fed lines from different groups. Um, like, you know, we have to have one entrance that everybody comes in and out of and they get behind that. So they kind of get manipulated. So this is something that South Park could have, could have realized, could have, could have, you know, had all these different narratives that are playing out there, you know, different lobbyists, different politicians that would try to seek out the, you know, the, the, mothers and fathers and even the kids. So you could have had this, this whole irony and this, this rhetoric playing in this episode where basically it would, all of these parents could have, could have been coming forward with these different single solutions that they were completely sold on, even though they hadn't researched these solutions at all. And not that these were even solutions at all. So this this was an opportunity that that was completely lost in this episode, um, so I thought that was that was really a shoddy, a shoddy way to just say you know that this this the response was was Sharon Stan's mom and and really you take her out of this equation and people just have normalized to this so that's just not not the way that it works um, and again you had the storyline that you could have quickly come out with all of these parents, each with this different talking point that they are completely convinced of, even though they are just a, a mouthpiece for it. Um, so, 
yeah, I, I thought that that the information for that was ubiquitous. That the the writers um, should have picked up on that and and uh, just very strange. So the episode began with Cartman being frustrated that he had failed a test, despite the fact that he cheated off of his classmate Token. So Token gets an A. And then Cartman quickly notices that Token had erased his initial answer. So then Cartman is thinking, well, Token just put those down on purpose. And then I copied them and Token knew I was copying them. And then I failed. So Token made me fail. So as Cartman often does, he turns a small issue into something really big. And he, he believes it was race related. And it's, it's a, there's a cover up. And so he, he basically believes that Token wanted him to fail the test because there were rumors going around that Cartman hated Black Panther and Tolkien is an African-American student. So this in this storyline, oh my goodness, gets a lot of time. I mean, like Cartman is at is, is goes to Tolkien's house and he's talking to his parents about have they seen the movie? And they're saying, yes, we've seen it, but we haven't seen it yet with Tolkien and then all of these things. And, and so I'm like, Again, this this doesn't match the show. Um, this this doesn't even belong. There's so much other, so much more that can be brought into this episode um, that has to do with the 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 rhetoric, the um, the ballooning of information. Um, the projected benchmarking of, of school safety and, and everything that, that happens with that. Yet they bring in the side story that is, it just doesn't fit. And it's also the fact is this now becomes time stamped. Okay. Um, Cause you know, everyone is, is black Panther came out now as a movie. So in, what, so we have 22 seasons of, of South Park. Um, what is this going, this episode five years from now, 10 years from now, loses this context, the shifting sands of time in this movie, Black Panther and stuff. It, it, it just, it, it was a bad move to do this. It doesn't belong there. It really never got developed well. I just, again, thought it, thought it was the writers are better than this. Um, it, it, it didn't do anything to build out what could have been a powerful episode, at least to point out the way that rhetoric um, just goes wild um, when there is, is school violence. So, but anyway... So this this is this whole standalone story belongs in another episode. Um, I, I don't. I, it doesn't make sense that it's here. Um, so if you want to do a side story and you want to have Cartman, so if Cartman is featured in a lot of side stories, and he always wants the limelight on him, so you could have, you could have written this where Cartman then becomes the the spokesperson, the voice for the student body at. South Park Elementary School. And he would then go on to, you know, lead marches into City Hall and into the Capitol promoting changes for school safety and 
and all of that. That would fit right in, right? Because Cartman always wants the limelight. And then what's in it for Cartman? Well, you know, the attention, um, also his his um, you know personal interest. You know, maybe he's thinking he he could get a book deal. He could be you know on some you know merchandising or or whatever this is i'm just saying with consistency of the show and knowing cartman this this would have been the opportunity then to take to have cartman become the spokesperson and we see we see that we we see students becoming spokespersons and i think what we also see then is that their narrative um it's hard to sustain that the that narrative. So it has its momentum for a while and then it goes. So how does Cartman struggle with that of trying to keep this momentum alive? He then has to capitalize really on every additional school shooting or shooting in general to make a comment on it and to just stick with that so he's always relevant. That would have been a perfect um, match for this episode. Okay. I'm just, again, I'm put, I'm, I'm talking about this, this episode and this was missing this. And we know that this happens and, and Cartman would have framed this out perfectly, completely gone. That could have developed all the way throughout the, the story. Thank you for tuning in to the safety doc podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. So, of course, this, this quickly evolves... Um, and so imagine that he is, is um, Cartman is fed talking agendas um, such as, you know, ways that schools have to be designed and, and you know, things like that and, and political things. And you see it with politicians and specific vendors and stuff like that. So all of this, you know, in the, these changes. And the thing would be, the thing would be that he wouldn't know any of this, like he, you'd start to see him then questioned, <laughs> like why specifically would you want, you know, this, this specific like school bus, you know, that would be proposed, that would be an armored school bus that would then back up to the school and then have a locking entrance and all of that, like a, what do they call it? Like a sully door to prison or, or jail or something like that. I don't know, but you could have had stuff like this. And then you would have seen Cartman try to come up with rationale because again he's just speaking these positions without really knowing the back the, the roots of these positions other than we want to be safe as students it is our time for our, you know our call to action so it, 
again, things that we see in real life, but this could have been just um, multiplied in, in magnitude through Cartman. So, um, yeah, and I think the the part is it would have gone on with multiple shootings or the the lack of or the the gap of time between it would have been where he would have tried to stay relevant and the struggle he would have had with that. So that was lost. That wasn't in the episode at all. And then they also had so they have the 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 shootings repeat at South Park Elementary School. So I think in the episode, there are literally three, if not four, um, at the elementary school. And we know that that doesn't happen, that things don't replicate out at a specific school. What happens is that things, um, you know, happen at, at, at one school. And of course, then, you know, there's there's another school and another school. But maybe the message that they were trying to get at is something that I refer to called projected benchmarking. And this is when something happens. And it was a year ago that was the Las Vegas shooter. Um, and, and the next day, so in Madison, Wisconsin, not Las Vegas, but the next day, the Madison, Wisconsin news, they were out going to school districts and police departments and they're asking them, well, how would you respond to something like that here? So you 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 have this whole you know media where something like this happens. It's this media frenzy, and then they the media brings it right home of as if it almost happened here. And then you get people saying, um, "Well, here's how we would ha- you put a microphone in front of anyone, and they're going to talk." And well, we do this, and this is how we would handle it. And then the other part that starts to switch is. People even start to say, like, it didn't happen here because we've done X, Y, Z, which is completely <laughs> false. Um, you can't, you know, make that. Um, you, you can't make that claim um, and sub- substantiate it. You can't back it. But that could have been another part of this episode of this whole projected benchmarking of then everything that happens somewhere else, whether it be a school shooting, um, whether it, it be, um, you know, a shooting at a mall or you could have different levels of it or, you know, something that comes across the news of a shooting in a city or something like that. But everything then could have been projected back to as if it happened in South Park. So then they're responding to it. They're ramping up for it, this whole frenzy. And they have like they would have parent assemblies um, and the parents are saying, we've got to do something like this is out of control. This is happening like, you know, every, every day now, but what's happening is they're just being informed. They have their news feed coming through Google or whatever every day at one o'clock and it's telling them what's happening across the entire world. Um, so that could have been another opportunity to point out this projected benchmarking, which certainly happens. Um, the media try to bring this right into your own home as if it happened if it, or your neighborhood, if it happened here. And this whole thing also with this projected benchmarking I've seen of people going a step further of saying, well, it doesn't happen here because we do these types of things. Well, no, that's, that's not accurate. Um, so yeah, the opportunity for, you know, the, the parent assemblies and, and you could have, you, you, this could have been part of a show and just where, 
this this momentum just goes crazy, but then nobody has a real call to action. Like they don't have a solution to this. So they just come back. And maybe you even have like this assembly fatigue. So you have, um, you know, assembly and then three days later, there's like an assembly and then three days later, there's an assembly and three days later, there's an assembly. And at some point, the, the you know, the, the assembly sign just gets professionally produced and it just gets like put out front, you know, and then like the, the arrows and stuff like to this, here's to the room and whatever. And then eventually, you know, just fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer people show up. Um, so yeah, this was an opportunity for them to talk about that whole projected benchmarking and again, a lost opportunity, much more relevant than the, than the whole subplot of, of token and, and black Panther. Um, so I, I, again, I mean, I, I huge that, that was, that was overlooked. Um, and the other part that didn't show up at all outside of um, they had uh, butters. <laughs> butters as a hull monitor with a, with a machine gun or something, you know, showing this ramped up um, security. But the reality is when there is a school shooting, uh, parents come out and they want fortification. That's what they want. They're always going to ask for fortification. So if you have $100 million that you're putting out there for school safety and states are doing this, <clears throat> excuse me, states are doing this, um, that's going for fortification. You know, bollards, those things that stick out of the concrete in front of buildings and around parking lots and stuff like that, bulletproof glass, um, cameras, stuff like that. So you could have had where you have the first shooting and the first school shooting here at South Park Elementary and, and then um, there are a few bollards that are drilled in front of the school and um, maybe a couple cameras and stuff like that and a security guard. And then the second shooting, so then at that point they had more cameras, there's bollards all the way up and down the sidewalk. Um, you start to see some things like a, like a, you know, drones coming in. Um, they have like a, a third shooting and then you add like robot security guards that are going up and down the hallways and you could make those as outlandish as you want it with guns on them or whatever. Um, you know, in like a warning, you know, of it with a retina scanner to make sure, you know, every kid has to walk into the building, like with a retina scanner, um, kind of like Mission Impossible. You could have a, a, a pan past the school store with the camera. And in the school store, it could have been hanging in the window of the school store, like a sale on bulletproof backpacks or bulletproof binders or something like that, which are things that are sold. I mean, legitimately sold. Not that these things are legitimate. I don't back them. I think they're ridiculous. But these things are actually marketed and sold. Um, so th this is the 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 expanded reality that could have been sensationalized to just make people aware of it um, and and have them at least have a discussion on, oh my goodness, um, you know, like that, that was really distasteful, you know, that, that was done and, and whatever. But then as, a, as that dies down to say, well, but they actually do do these things. Like there are bulletproof backpacks and bulletproof binders and some of this. And, and there's, you know, talk about, you know, robotic security guards. I mean, most of this stuff is, 
authentic, you know, um, it's just, it's not wide scale yet. And these bollards, um, you know, being, being put up, I mean, you could have where it could be, you could show parents showing up or kids having to like squeeze through these things to try to get in and out of their, their classrooms or, uh, you know, and into the buildings and stuff like that, I should say. And, and all of the cameras and, and stuff, I mean, could just be, be so over the top to, to just make that point. Again, why that wasn't in here is was beyond me because I mean it's so obvious. It is so obvious to I I'm like who did they consult on this? Um, I I I don't know. I mean it, it it's like this that was just how do you do an episode like this where you would have a school shooting at you know South Park Elementary and then some time passed and another school shooting and then you know and progressively not build up the fortification response that would be demanded by the community to this point where it becomes so fortified and so over, you know, the, the top, um, that it, it, it becomes this hyper-realistic facility. I mean, like you could have an airplane like, or a helicopter, like flying around like the, you know, the, the top of the, the school and, and all of that stuff as the kids are coming in. And I mean, um, I, I'm just, again, saying that if this was to be done as a tool to bring conversation to the topic, and if we know that this is, you know, the generation that watches this um, are the young adults who have kids in school because I grew up with this, and then also, you know, the, the kids who are attending, it just missed the mark. It just missed the mark. Um, so another part is, there are often hundreds of responders to a school shooting. So if there's a notice of a school shooting that goes out over the, um, the you know, two-way radio, the, the radio communication systems, the dispatch, there are responders, you know, off-duty. They'll be an hour away, and they'll drive to the scene. They'll self-dispatch. And you can literally, in, in most of these instances, you'll have hundreds of responders there. So you, you get this whole situation where you, it's, first of all, it's, it's somewhat helpful in doses. Like if you're reunifying the, the students, um, and that you can give some relief to the initial officers that responded, but this use, this goes way over the top in most cases where they're bringing their own, you know, vehicles that they can set up and it's like an RV type thing and they can run, um, you know, um, communications and intelligence out of these things and, and kind of dispatch at the scene. And anyway, this, they fill up like entire parking lots. So, and they stay like for you know, a couple of days and then they, they, they dispatch, they get, they go back. Um, so I think that could have been another part that was brought in here too. And sometimes, I mean, it honestly, it is people who are um, adrenaline junkies on this. I mean, flat out. It's like we know that there are firefighters who have been convicted of, of starting fires because they wanted to get the call to go to the fire station to drive the fire truck to the fire, put the fire out. Um now I know this this reflects in a negative way on first responders, um, but sometimes in in this you know this is very common with large scale disasters, but especially 
in um, school shootings, because I mean, we have youth involved, it's very visceral, but this massive response, and then it's a slow dispersal. Um, and, and, you know, if you're responding from an hour away to a school shooting as a self-dispatch, you, you really aren't going to be adding anything to that. It be, you become a challenge to manage through the instant command system that's there. So you could have also had, you know, they, they just kept showing, you know, the ambulances and, and fire trucks, police cars outside. It was the same shot over and over and over again. But it progressively should have been more and to, to kind of get that point across. I mean, the first time it would have been that way, but to to bring it out to the viewer, it should have been more and more and more where then like you have a pull away scene and you have like an entire parking lot like this or, or several parking lots and all it is is these vehicles and, and then like they have to be sustained. So then there's like food trucks coming in to sustain. And, and at this point, like the event's done and they're not doing anything to support the event. They're still there. So you, you could have this and then they're all getting interviewed too. And, and so this could have been like this whole side story of how these people descend on this this community and then you know they they slowly kind of fade out so um i i think that that could have been put in um so yeah i i really i have to say i i think i i don't think the episode was well researched i would grade it um really a d plus is all I would give this um, for all the hype, you know, and you're leading off your season with this. And again, not an endorsement of school violence or anything from me of that type of, no, obviously not. But if you are using this as writers, as a tool of satire to bring awareness to this, you really did a poor job. You really did a poor job. Um, too many unrelated storylines. The actual research on what is very standard for responses. Um, you missed the boat. You could have really exposed um, the way that this the, the media goes crazy with this without getting positional on this. I mean, you wouldn't have had to go Second Amendment at all on this um you could have left all of that off the table and and just gone with this this the media and the hype um and i i i don't know i i can't make sense of of how this was so far off in some like all of the things that i had mentioned so i'm going to go back and kind of put the key points that should have been in this episode you know, one is that Cartman um, should have become the spokesperson for the student body and the spokesperson against student violence. And we've seen him put in that leadership role in other or or seek that and grab that out um, in other episodes. So that's very much in line with his character and with wanting to bring that spotlight to himself and to manipulate that so he is is getting the attention and maybe he's again at at this stage getting you know book deals getting to travel around and and 
a movie contract. I mean, whatever it is, you could play all of this out. Um, and then that he's, he's speaking on these agendas and people start asking him questions and that he doesn't, he has to keep reverting back to this, this global statement of we are here to end, you know, student violence. It ends with our generation. It ends now. Instead of being able to give any detail on like, I support that we need one entrance to schools, you know, which is, I hear that a lot, or, you know, that we need to, all schools have to have bulletproof glass, you know, so there's, he looks to the side and there's like the bulletproof glass company representative giving him the, the thumbs up, you know, because it's like, all right, buddy, you know, thanks. Um, so this, this, that would have been a, a perfect match for this and completely get rid of this whole token um, Black Panther sidebar thing. Put that in a different episode. Didn't fit there at all. Um, the the part of, um, you know, just saying this this was, you know, one mom who was emotional, who is, is outraged because nobody else is feeling the same outrage that she feels. That's just not accurate. That's not the portrayal. Um, and again, you know, we see a number of dads who, um, you know, go before their Congress people and, and are asking for, for change or showing up at rallies and things like that. So it's, it's not like this is, this is more feminine versus masculine as far as the response to that. It's pretty, pretty even. And it's always been pretty even, so that kind of missed the boat. And the fact there would be people, but what would happen on this, again, is it would be a splintering. It would be who could get to them um, and and try to have them advance a certain agenda, um, whether that, again, be bulletproof glass, whether it be... Um, uh, funding for security guards, whether it be funding funding for more mental health testing. And, and this was another thing you could have totally gotten into in this, which would have fit in a South Park style. Um, you could have gotten to testing and profiling. So imagine like you are bringing in all of these psychologists and, and you know, they're, they're quizzing all of these kids and asking them. And then when they come out, they're either, they're giving them a stamp, you know, like, okay, or like, potentially the next shooter. I mean that they try to make it like that black and white. And um, so that would get at the whole part of, of how the mental health side of this is so mixed up and misunderstood. So again, another opportunity that just was just blown, just missed. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin 
and the Safety Doc Podcast. Post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Um, and <laughs> completely the fortification of the site, of the school, and all of these enhanced security measures. I, I, how do you miss that? And yeah, that you could come in and and yeah, you could and then you could also have this thing where you could get get kind of deep in here of you know how much are you willing to give up like of personal rights for security? That's the trade off, right? That's kind of the Patriot Act. Like after nine eleven, you know, what do we give up so we can fly a plane? You know, what do we allow TSA to do? You know, we take our shoes off and they can check through everything, and you know, it's so. And now that you know phone calls, emails, things like that can be searched, recorded, subpoenaed, whatever. But um, you could have had like somebody coming in and saying, you know, what we need to do is we need to plant um, these these special chips in every student. And that way we can track where they are in the building at all times. And we'll know who's here and who's not supposed to be here and, and these types of things. Or we can... Yeah, you know, do these these special, you know, 3D, you know, gun detection, you know, units or whatever and and see how far people would go. Throw that out there like and then have it where do you have a couple people in the community, some parents who are like, yeah, I'm not for implanting my kid with a chip or or like doing the retina scan. Like I'm I'm not for that. Um, Or does everybody just go with it? Because it's like somebody says this that this is the way to go for school safety. So they just go for it. I've seen districts do that. I've seen districts where literally it, they've had, I've driven around, it's you know like more of a poor rural type area. Um, and people have signs in their yard, you know, like hate the government and governments don't trust the government and whatever. Really, I mean, and um, yet, they will, the school, the district introduced very invasive measures for adults to come into the school. Like you had to hand over your ID, your driver's license basically, and get it scanned. And then they had some system that they purchased. And within a minute, it did like this background check, this cursory background check. And you were either let in or not. I'm guessing it did like a criminal check. And then if you were on a registry or something like that. But so the superintendent was telling me this and I'm like, Ooh, that must've been like a really hard sell. He's like, no, not at all. Like nobody complained. No one, (laughs) nobody complained at all. Like they came in and we said we were doing it. And you know, um, some initially the only complaint was that they didn't have their ID with them. They had to go back to their car to get it. But then they knew the next time to bring it in. And I'm like, wow. Like talk about this, this, dystopian location where everybody is like, I don't want any, the government to know any more about me. I don't trust the government and the government, this, the government, that, and then yet being told we're putting this system in place and we're going to scan your ID so you can just get into the school building where your kid is. Um, because this is part of our safety measure in a district where there has not been a school shooting, um, and they, they just go with it. They, they just go with it. So that's another part in here 
that you could keep ramping up all of these security measures. And you could even start putting these onto the parents that the parents would have to have special, you know, IDs or whatever to, to access toward the school. Or like, you know, if you got so close and you didn't have it, like it could be some alarm that sounds and some guards run up to you or whatever. But I mean, it could, you, you could have opened all of that up. This, this Pandora's box of all of this. Um, and, and you didn't, and, and you missed out. So the writers did, did a horrible job on that. There, there wasn't even a whiff of that. I mean, he had butters and his machine gun, you know, but you, you missed out on everything else that is really happening out, you know, at, at schools as we speak. Um, and so I, I don't know. I'm so in watching this, probably like everybody else, um, I expected, put that over here. I expected this to be one really distasteful and, and, very graphic and over the top and, and all of that. And, um, and it, it just wasn't, it was kind of a sluggish episode. It did what it did do, which was, you know, accurate was, was get to the point of people move on quickly from a school shooting, um, that, you know, they move, they're out of their Taurus, they move into chaos and then they come back into their, they're Taurus pretty, pretty fast. And we have gotten to the point where these things don't stay in the headlines very long. Um, so, so that's accurate, but I mean, that's, that's something that everybody knows that is the, you know, whether it be, be that, or whether it be the Vegas, you know, shooting, um, the, those things just do not stay in the headlines anymore. Um, so I, I don't think there was any new ground broken there. I think that was that was just a overplayed story line. Um, so that that didn't resonate with me um, at all. So um, I I don't know. I again as a as a safety professional, of course, you know, doing, doing an episode like this, um, you're, you're like, it was just a matter of time. I mean, I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner. Um, but you did have an opportunity to really point out, um, some of, some of the, what I would call, um, very, especially with the fortification responses, um, the over-the-top fortification responses and this projective benchmarking that happens and, and how people believe these are solutions, but there's nothing to back them up as, as solutions. And then as people march for change and, you know, or students or parents, and I, I see this, see this happens, you know, parents get manipulated by a company or a leg, legislator in, into a specific bill or into a specific product. And if my child would have had this, it would have saved them. Well, maybe in this one scenario of how your child perished, maybe it, it would have likely it probably wouldn't have, but 
But what's happening, and I, I really hate to see that, is these people are being being used. Um, and and you only see them around for a couple months and then they're they're kind of gone. Like the company no longer is is having this person as the spokesperson for, you know, the bulletproof backpack or whatever or this piece of legislation. They they are using them because that is their access into um, you know, when there when there are school funding bills, that maybe then there will be some dollars put aside for bulletproof backpacks or you know, the bulletproof glass company or whatever it is. Um, so that's, it. and I wrote about that in my book, Lessons of Lower Manhattan, how I do think that vendors and politicians identify who some of the parents are that come out and, um, you know, present well to the, the media, uh, articulate well, and then they go after those parents and and try to, align those parents to like, we're with you. If this was in place or if this agenda is followed, this won't happen again. The parent wants to prevent this from happening again. So they're really acting um, in best interest and in good faith, but they're being manipulated by the politicians or the, or the vendors. And I've seen that so many times. And it, it really shows then in, in that those people are, are basically expended in about two to three months and then they're gone. The, the, the politicians, you know, separate away because again, the, the momentum of, of this fades. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm so it, uh, I'd like to, I'd really like to read your comments, respond to your comments on this. And um, I don't think this, I I just, I I don't think this episode accomplished really anything. Um, It didn't add anything to the narrative. It didn't point out anything that people didn't know um, if anything, it was more of a downplay on just more or less like a few people have an emotional reaction, but it might be tangentially sparked, you know, because of hormonal influences or, or things like that within the person. Um, so it was just, it was just weird. It it was, it was just weird, weirdly put together. So i I don't know. Um, with that, um, I'm going to just talk a little bit about school safety before we wrap up this episode. And I am teaching a law class. Yes, the safety doc is teaching a law class, a 700-level law class, which is pretty high-end law class. Um, we are actually going to be covering school safety um, law and school safety best practices, litigation in the upcoming class. A few points. Uh, some schools are buying school shooter insurance now and others aren't. So it can range between like six and $10,000 and they cover different things. Um, and personally, I, I don't think it is warranted, but again, 
it's marketed and some schools see this as, as being necessary. Um, and school boards, you market this to a school board, um, and, and they go for it. So, you know, that you're, you're buying now the school shooter insurance and what this covers, um, is kind of vague. Like, you know, it, th- that's the part to have looked at some of these, these policies and is it like if someone is killed or someone is maimed and what does it do for mental health or trauma like for people who have been involved and it's it's oh it's it's i don't like it i don't like it i don't think it's it's good and i'm 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 proud of the districts that stood up and said no we're not doing this um and they generally do have a liability policy that that you know covers if there are things that happen on campus that are completely you know unpredictable, you know, like these, these, um, school shootings, I guess. And and to what I've found, I haven't gone too super deep into these, these policies, but, um, you know, the question would be, was there criminal negligence or was there negligence by the school? I should say, if, if there were like known threats that the student was going to shoot up a school and school authorities knew about it and, and adults knew about it, but then didn't contact authorities or something like that. But that gets into a whole different can of worms and how that would become litigated and stuff like that. And I don't know where insurance would fall on that, but um, so that's, that's, you know, one aspect that we're, we are covering in the class. The other one is the fact that schools in America, if you can, so vendors and school experts, and there is not a set criteria to be a school expert, although like I see all the time, like it's marketed to me from whatever universities, you can get your certification as a school safety expert. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I've got a PhD from UW-Madison, two years with a fellowship studying this. I've done this on many different levels. I've got it. I'm fine. But um, schools, uh, these these people come in and, and market to schools and say, listen, we will do a complete walkthrough. It's like when you when you go and buy a home and a safety, or not safety, like a home inspector checks out the siding and the roof and, you know, whatever. And a lot of these just kind of pick these certifications up on the side. Like the guy that did our place, like when we bought it in 2002, he didn't even have the siding right. He's like, part of it is steel siding. Part of it is vinyl siding. Part of this is whatever. Like half the th- was wrong. And I learned like you can, you know, get the certification is pretty easy. So, but anyway, these, these people try to market this stuff to schools and what schools need to do is they just need to go to their insurance carrier, whoever insures the school say, listen, come through and do an assessment of our facilities, our campus for safety. And they'll come in. They'll, they'll bring in experts that usually go to several hundred schools a year. They'll do, do walkthroughs and they'll say, okay, here's entrances that, you know, you, you should have a, a check-in process. It's going to be a little bit different. And maybe at this entrance, you know, you want to change up the, the lock stuff or have like maybe a camera here or here are some things. And, you know, but usually what they tell you is pretty reasonable. It's not going to be a lot of money. And that's, that's in, it's not going to be significant changes to practice. Um, but what happens is people don't do that. Like superintendents, no, they won't do it. School boards won't touch it. The reason why, if you go to your insurance carrier, it's like, you know, when your car insurance offers you a thing and says, you can plug this module into your car and we'll monitor your driving practices. And if you're driving the speed limit and all of that, like we'll give you like 50% discount. And most people will be like, uh, no, thank you. No, thanks. That's okay. 
um, because they're afraid. You know, well, what happens if they? It's a fifty-five zone, and I'm doing fifty-eight, and you know, now are they going to ramp up my my fees? So that's where districts are. They're reluctant to take this on and invite these no no cost the experts who insure them. You know, they're. Um, risk assessment people in because they're afraid if they find stuff, one, they're going to have them take on this this very costly process of remedying these things. And if they don't, they're either going to hike their fees or dump them, and which doesn't happen, by the way. It does not happen. So you can control the person you hire and you know you, they can give you the report and you can choose to share it with the board or share parts of it or whatever. Um, and... That's what happens, you know. Um, so that is flat off. I mean, it, it's. I'm just saying it as an afterthought. It's something that doesn't fit with this, um, with the story because it, it'd be too much of a complicated storyline to bring in. But, um, but yeah, it is. It is this. Well, I mean, well, that's another. I guess you could have had this whole thing where you know you're just ascended up with all these vendors. You could be. Yeah, they could just be at the local mall in South Park. And everything is bulletproof. Hey, it's the new, you know, bulletproof, yeah, backpack shoes, you know, that you can do all of this stuff. And, you know, these special buttons you can press to alert whoever. And, I mean, all of this stuff. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess all that. But, um, so, yeah. So, here with the Safety Doc doing a review of uh, the South Park episode, Dead Kids. Uh, found it to be... Um, not to deliver uh, any anything of a meaningful message. It had the ability to do that with the, the following of the show, with the development of the characters, to really make people aware of, of these big issues that, that go on relative to school shootings and school safety, and they, they chose just to kind of wander all over the place. Um, thought it was really poorly done, folks. So... Um, just have to say that I D plus that's all I'm giving it D plus all right safety doc um, stay safe everybody The Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perotin. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response.
You can find Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.